0: Hi, this is Alana Terry. You're listening to season three of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. This season's Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook is Torn Asunder, a Christian suspense novel set in North Korea, written by me, Alana Terry, narrated by Pamela Lawrence, and sponsored by our Patreon community, which is raising funds for liberty in North Korea's Underground Railroad for refugees. You can find out how you can be involved and how you can also get regular Christian fiction ebooks and audiobooks and sometimes even paperbacks when you join our Patreon community at patreoncom Alana Terry. And now enjoy today's episode of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast, bringing you today's episode of Torn Asunder. Chapter 22.
1: Day and night were meaningless distinctions in solitary confinement. Simon forgot how long it had been since he last saw another human being. At the secret seminary, Mr. Stern had prepared a crisis training program to equip the students for interrogations and torture. It hardly touched on the horror of total isolation. And the silence. It made his ears physically hurt. At times, Simon was convinced he heard voices talking, some hissed to one another in the darkness, teasing Simon's sleep away. Others were kinder, softer, but vanished as soon as he responded to them. At the secret seminary he had been one of the quickest to memorize Bible passages, but here, with his body kept a few crumbs away from starvation, his mind tortured by the darkness and timelessness of his cell... It took ages to recite a simple verse. He was pretty sure that entire days went by when he couldn't recall even one passage from all of his studies. The most gruesome of his torments were his memories of Hannah. He could see her so vividly, sitting in Mrs. Stern's flower garden, the empty half of the bench beckoning to him with an intensity no living man should be forced to endure. His crisis training in Nyanji was designed to prepare him for pain. And although Mr. Stern mentioned the possibility of solitary confinement, Simon never really understood how horrendous it would be. He had assumed isolation would be easier than torture. How stupid he had been. The air in his cell was so heavy he could waste hours trying to pray without uttering a syllable. The same dark oppression that sucked his memory dry of scripture pressed down on his soul. Sometimes it took every ounce of his spiritual stamina just to whisper the name of Jesus. The hard cement floor and the constant hunger made it difficult to fall asleep, and what rest he did find was riddled with agonizing fears. He would wake up with a jerk. "'certain the guards were outside waiting to begin their torments. "'He was afraid to sleep because the darkness left him so disoriented. "'Had he been unconscious for a whole day or just a few hours? "'Sometimes he woke up in a horrid, damp sweat, "'certain he had squandered whole days of his life, "'passed out on the cold floor. "'His only solace was that he was here instead of Hannah.' Maybe she had found a lenient job in one of the other labor camps. Maybe the Lord would hide her beauty from the lustful prison guards. Maybe her joyful spirit would sustain her through whatever suffering awaited her. Simon felt his own soul slipping away moment by elusive moment. But this hope for Hannah's future sustained him in that bleak, black purgatory. He might never see her again but he would cherish her memory until his body finally gave out, and his soul flew upward where his heavenly father waited to receive him. General Sin read the memo from the director of the National Security Agency, lit his cigarette, and read it again. There was no mistaking its message. The agency had linked Moses back to the Chongjin jail. Sin couldn't just deny it. Everyone in Pyongyang knew Moses was real, and they wanted him. Once they had him, they wouldn't stop until they extracted every ounce of information out of him. His mind wandered to desertion, but only for the briefest moment. He would never be safe, no matter what nation or embassy he found to take him in. He would never be free. Sacrifices. That's what this masquerade was all about— Sacrifices for the good of the nation, for the good of the underground church. Sacrifices, like that boy Levi from the secret seminary, the one buried out back. Sacrifices, the only currency worth anything in this clandestine world, where a clear conscience was an indulgence reserved only for cowards and a few fortunate fools. Sacrifices. Moses unlocked the bottom drawer of his desk, took out a small pill bottle, and pressed the button on his radio. Get in here, Agent Soon. I need to talk with you. Hannah knelt by her bed. It wasn't nighttime yet, but she was scheduled to meet with Soon later and wanted to spend some time in prayer. She was so tired. Her trips to the Tumen were sapping up what strength she had regained after leaving Chongjin and even after she had been out all night making deliveries, Mr. Kim still expected her to wake up with the sunrise and see to breakfast and the chickens. By the end of the day, she was almost too tired to pray at all. Back in Yanji, Mrs. Stern had taught her an entire prayer routine, starting with praise and thanksgiving, then moving on to confession and intercession. The ritual seemed stiff and formulaic, but Hannah figured Mrs. Stern must know what she was doing. The American missionary assured her it was the easiest, most foolproof way to keep from getting distracted. Hannah had plenty to be thankful for, and she lifted her heart up to God, who had healed her injuries from Chongjin and kept her safe on her journeys across the border. Throughout her entire life, God had protected her and provided for her. And now she was here, with a ministry and a purpose greater than she ever envisioned for herself. The Stearns hardly thought her ready to travel across the border with a meager supply of audio Bibles and New Testaments. Now she was part of a network that stretched all the way to Pyongyang. Her life was finally meaningful. Or was it? Was she really doing what God called her to do? or did she carry letters because Kwon and Moses and Mr. Kim and everyone else expected her to? Was she really an integral asset to Moses' team, or was she just one laborer amongst many, soon to be replaced when her luck ran out? Her knees pressed against the hard floor, the discomfort reminding her she was supposed to be praying. She closed her eyes and thought about the sins she needed to confess. There was her general distractedness, of course. She found herself thinking more and more about Moses and the messages he wanted her to deliver. Surely she was doing the work of the Lord. Surely this excitement was from him. But the peace and contentment had vanished, replaced with a spirit of exhaustion. Back at the secret seminary, everything was so tranquil— Sitting on the garden bench and studying the Bible with Simon, night after night, everything was so perfect, so complete. Hannah wondered when she would ever find that sense of wholeness again. Soon was filing paperwork when he got the summons from the general. What could it be now? Hadn't he already done enough? He forced himself to hurry down the hall. The general was waiting for him outside his office. There's a problem out back, he gestured with a nod of his head. Something wrong with the wiring. I need you to come with me. They walked outside and stopped when they reached Levi's grave. General Sin's eyes were gray and expressionless. Soon had never seen him look so old. They somehow connected Moses to the Chongjin jail. The general's voice was quiet and flat. A quiver began in the base of Soon's gut. All his autonomic responses slowed down for a second and then sped ahead at full force. His mind raced even faster than his heartbeat, his thoughts expressing themselves, in a jumble of impressions, instead of actual words. "'Hannah!' he managed to stammer. General Sin waved his hand and soon understood the sweet recruit from San He was the least of his superiors' worries. The general paced a few feet in either direction and rubbed his temples. There was a fleck of grey in the hair above his ears. You have been loyal to me, comrade. The general's tone was ominous. Soon glanced at him sideways. Was this a farewell? The general jerked his chin toward the grave. I know you don't agree with my tactics. Soon kept his eyes on the dirt. Just as well, General Sin shrugged. But I hope you understand. I care about you in as much as I am able. He reached into his pocket. You may be questioned. Soon stared at the small white pill, but didn't reach out for it. One day, you might realize I was right. Some things are worse than the grave. Tentatively, soon took the capsule, surprised it didn't burn his skin on impact. It was so tiny, so delicate. If the time comes, General Sin paused to clear his throat. I'm sure you will find courage to do the right thing. Soon's lip trembled. He had so many questions vying for position on his tongue, but before he had time to ask any of them, General Sin turned away, suddenly looking bent over and very tired. Chapter 23 General Sin's boots were as heavy as steel when he trudged up the small hill back to the jail. He brushed his hands on his uniform, A weaker man would question himself, and perhaps ten or fifteen years ago, sin might have too. But he couldn't allow himself the extravagance of second guesses. There was only forward. There was only progress. Progress and sacrifice. He closed the door to his office, checking once to see if anyone had left him a message. He picked up his phone and dialed the number without any further hesitation. This is General Sin. I just discovered the connection between my jail and the convict Moses. Soon's legs throbbed as he sprinted toward his meeting place with Hannah. He was half an hour early. Please let her be there. It had taken every ounce of fortitude in his body, but he had carried out his entire shift at the jail that day, and then he rushed home and packed his bag. He took the small amount of cash he had been saving for an emergency, thanked God he had no living family the regime could punish on his behalf, and hurried toward the two men. His breath came out in short bursts. He forced himself to slow down. If someone saw him running this late at night, they'd get too curious. If Hannah wasn't there by the time he arrived, he'd cross alone and wait for her on the other side. They couldn't even stay in San He though— The guards would be after him as soon as they realized he escaped. If he was lucky, General Sin would wait a day or two before announcing his absence to the National Security Agency, but soon couldn't be sure of even that. He had to leave now, and if Hannah wanted to stay safe, she'd come along with him. The half-moon was out, and he felt the rush of relief warm his body when he saw Hannah's profile in the shadows ahead. He sprinted the last stretch and was out of breath by the time he reached her. He grabbed her arm. Let's go. What's wrong? Soon heard the catch in her voice, the fear he was certain laced all of his own words as well. They found us out. We've got to leave, for good. He felt her arm tug back for just a second. What about Simon? He dragged her forward. You can't worry about him right now. The moon gave off its brilliant light, too much light, soon wished he had a wristwatch. If General Sin called the National Security Agency from his office, they might have already beat them both here. The ice was slippery. He held on to Hannah to keep her from falling. They were going too slow. They had to reach the other side. Freeze! The shout cracked like a whip through the air. He gave Hannah a shove forward. Hurry! The momentum knocked him over. "'Hurry!' he hissed to her again until she started running. As he turned toward his assailants in their olive-green coats, he knew he'd never see the gentle girl from San He again. His only hope was to distract the guards long enough to give her a head start. He took in his surroundings in perfect panorama. Four men stood on the bank, two pointed rifles at his head. Another held a dog that snarled as it strained against its leash. He couldn't hear Hannah behind him anymore, and hoped she'd made it to the other side. He squared his shoulders. There was no use running anymore. Somehow, he had always known it would happen this way. Tonight, or some other night just like it, soon would face the party members who wanted him dead. General Sin was right. If they caught him alive, Moses, Hannah, the he safe house, everything would be jeopardized. Soon slipped his hand into his pocket and fingered his pill. One of the men shouted a command to his dog and let go of the leash. The canine darted past Soon. He prayed it wouldn't reach Hannah. "'What are you doing there?' A guard dashed onto the ice but fell as soon as his boots hit the slippery surface. Soon had to act before it was too late. "'He put something in his mouth!' The oldest agent reached him first, rammed his hand in Simon's mouth, and tried to lodge it all the way down his throat. Soon scarcely heard him curse. Had Hannah made it to safety? An instant later, the dog snarled just a little bit in the distance. Two of the men jogged onto the ice and hurried toward the direction of the sound. The other two lifted soon between them. "'Get him to the van. We'll pump his stomach!' Soon's vision started to blur. Didn't they know they couldn't touch him anymore? We got the girl, someone called out. But he hardly heard them. He was safe forever, safe from their clutches, safe from their tortures. He shut his eyes. He spent his last prayer on Hannah, asking that God would send her angels to whisk her away to some secret refuge where the National Security Agency could never find her again. Peace rushed through his body as his muscles locked up and his mouth frothed over. A few short, painless seconds later, he was free. General Sin scrawled notes on his clipboard while Cigarette Ash dropped on the page. He reached out mechanically for the phone when it rang. Yes? We followed your agent. You were right. He was the link. Sin tapped his pen against the receiver. Thought so. Did you question him? There was a pregnant pause. Unfortunately, he died before we had the chance. Sin scowled and leaned forward in his chair. The agent spoke fast, fumbling over his words. There was a girl with him. Young. We have her now. Good. General Sin flicked cigarette ash over his metal tin and waited for more information. "'Should we bring her to you, sir?' A note on the bottom of the page caught his attention, and he scribbled a few words in the margin. "'Fine. Bring her in.' "'Yes, sir,' he inhaled slowly. "'On second thought, now soon's gone. We're short on help. Take her to Camp 22.' Let them see what she knows. There was a slight pause before another, Yes, sir, and General Sin hung up the phone. He leaned back in his chair and resumed his paperwork. It would take at least another hour before he finished. Do you know where you are? Hannah shook her head. Throbbing pain pounded inside her skull. Pulsing white lights blinded her vision. Sticky blood caked onto her leg. She remembered the dog bite and shivered. You are in the Underground Detention Center at Camp 22. You are charged with selling state secrets and threatening national security. Hannah struggled to keep her head up. The rest of her body was a pulp of bruises and brokenness, but all she felt was the anguish between her temples. A small cup was brought to her lips. And she lapped at the water clumsily. When you are strong enough, you will tell us who you were meeting. You will tell us about the traitor soon and all those in your network of spies and conspirators. In spite of her weakness, she trembled violently. You will cooperate. The metal clanged into place as her cage door swung shut.
0: You've been listening to the Unabridged Christian Fiction audiobook podcast. Today's episode is an installment of Torn Asunder, written by me, Alana Terry, and narrated by Pamela Lawrence. This season of the Unabridged Audiobook Podcast is sponsored by our Patreon community, where you can get regular Christian fiction audiobooks, ebooks, and even paperbacks. And all the funds that we raise go directly to Liberty and North Korea's Underground Railroad for refugees. You can find out more or get involved today at patreon.com slash Alana Terry. Thanks again for listening to today's show. Please don't forget to subscribe, and we'll see you next time for the next installment of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon.